guys, welcome to Pucker Up. This is your beauty, health, and fashion podcast. My name's Gigi Padilla. I'm a lead copyright here at CM Life. And I'm Sarah Bebuck. I'm a broadcasting student here at um, Central Michigan University. And today we're going to be talking about our most anticipated makeup looks for fall 2018. So one of our most anticipated looks is bringing back flannels and boots because we know those are a complete statement every time pumpkin patches come around. Sarah, what's your absolute favorite thing to wear when the cold season comes around? Honestly, I love wearing bomber jackets. I love wearing any sort of thick fall jacket, bomber jackets, um, leather jackets, any sort of jacket, honestly. I think a very big thing that always comes back and always comes back to bite us is Ugg boots. I never understood the appeal to Ugg boots, but then I put them on and they're literally just slippers. So somebody really needs to explain to me how we bamboozled our life into wearing slippers out as a fashion statement. Honestly, those Ugg boots are super cozy, super comfy. I just can't bring myself to wear them. They just To me, they just look like slippers going outside. My go-to shoe for fall is always combat boots. You see, I feel like that's a big thing, too, because we live in Michigan, and snow is scary, and I'd rather be wearing combat boots that, like, will actually give me some weather protection than those, like, kind of weird sheepskin hollowed-out slippers. Or even just in the middle of fall, like, you never know what's going on. It's either raining, snowing, sleeting, any sort of precipitation. It's going to ruin your shoes unless you get those sprays. So I try to avoid wearing my tennis shoes or, like, my nice shoes. Honestly, I really like sturdy combat boots like Doc Martens. I would love to get a new pair of Doc Martens to wear out for fall. And that's totally true. I think another big thing that I'm excited for this fall season is the new makeup looks. I think fall is one of the best seasons for makeup because everybody's really into reds, really into warm tones, and we don't have to worry about our makeup sweating off. (laughs) Oh, no, not anymore, thank God. What I'm really excited about is um, there's so many new makeup lines that are coming out, especially in September. We have quite a few coming out. Rihanna's new Fenty line is the Diamond line that's coming out in two days, September 9th, and it's basically celebrating the one-year anniversary of her release, and a lot of the highlighters and stuff, like, bomb. Let's talk about Riri for a second, because I am so excited for her. She's just, like, let's she's killing the game, and I think she really set the bar with the color spectrum in her own, her own foundation line. I think I've noticed that people are being called out even more for not having colors for women of color. Oh, yeah, and Rihanna definitely, maybe she didn't start it, but she definitely blew it up. I know a lot of other makeup brands, whether it's independent makeup lines or big-name ones like independent like Beauty Bakery and bigger-name lines like Huda Beauty, they're releasing so many different variations and shades into their makeup lines that it's unbelievable. Even Beauty Bakery, they started at, one thing I know that the um, people of color really appreciate about her makeup line is that the darkest shade starts at one. It doesn't start, the darkest shade isn't the highest number. The darkest shade starts at one, and the higher the number goes, the later the skin tone. And I know that's really resonant within the beauty community right now. I think one thing that really stood out to me is, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Beauty Blenders Whip Foundation, they got so much backlash when they first came out because they only had such a medium like amount of colors for for the darker shades and darker toned skins. And I don't really know, like, how you felt about it. I think she came out she was saying her line was more, like, for the warmer tones, and she had a lot of medium colors. But when I was looking at it, I feel like it was, like, unnecessary. As somebody who's in that olive medium range, I feel like I can find a color without having to have 
like a point one shade difference between it. Oh, definitely, and that's especially with a lot of the, the drugstore brands. I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but you'll look at their shade range, and they'll have a couple light. They have a huge medium shade range that is literally slightly different tones, slightly different. Um, whether it's like a warm undertone or a cool undertone, they have all of them. And then you get to the dark shade ranges, and again, there's only like four very different colors and that's it that's where it ends you don't have the undertone options with a lot of drugstore brands you don't have a lot of um for darker skin colors and i know a big like thing that people are keep saying or at least brands keep saying when they make these big launches is that oh well these are our starting we want to see how the foundation does and then we're going to expand their line and do you think like that's a plausible like thing i feel like that's kind of a cop-out i'm not gonna lie like, you're basically saying it's an afterthought. And that's kind of unfortunate, which I feel like Rihanna mm-hmm. basically said. She smashed it. She yeah. started out right away. I think it was, I could be wrong on this, but I think it was 30 to 40 shades she started mm-hmm. out with right out the bat. I think it was 40. I think it was, like, Fenty 40. That was, yeah. like, what people yeah, were it was. saying. it was Fenty mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. And she started out right out the gate with 40 different shades and proved that, hey, you can't, especially because that was her launch. It wasn't even a new line it wasn't a different type of makeup she was like it was her launch straight out of the gate she came out with 40 different shades instead of other brands like hey we're starting out here with 15 shades and then we're gonna expand later on and it's a brand that's existed for years not even decades and they'll start out and they'll be like, hey, yeah, this is our 14. We'll expand later. You can't tell me that Beauty Blender does not have enough money to make some more darker shades. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm not buying it. That's definitely a cop out. But I think I want to move on to hair care because we both have very different hair. And this coming winter season, I want to know what your biggest fear is for the freaking cold and the ridiculous things we put through our hair like straightening and <laughs> blow drying actually i used to have a pixie cubs a couple years ago i've been growing it out now so i have long hair again and cutting it all off and letting it regrow and be healthy is one of the best things i did i used to kill my hair every day I used to straighten it every day blow dry it every day all the heat applied and i wouldn't even use heat protector i would just kill my hair got to the point where it's so dry and so frizzy that winter was terrible i couldn't do anything i had straw for hair so now after I cut it out, let it grow, I stopped applying heat every day. I think since I've grown my hair out, I've straightened my hair maybe three times in the three years that I've been growing my hair out. I'm still nervous that it's going to get dry during this winter season. I have dry hands, dry face, dry skin, dry hair. Everything's just dry. But I've been trying to stay up on getting the hair oils to put in my hair, the argan oils, the hemp oils, all that to try and combat the winter dry hair. And I think that's one big thing where, like, me and you differ. I have, like, the oiliest skin ever. I have the oiliest hair ever. Everything. I'm just a big, bad oil, and it's terrible. But I feel like, because I process my hair so much, for you viewers out there, just to know, my hair is currently purple, and you can't get that color unless you lighten it. Um, Not bleach. Don't bleach your hair, please. Um, But definitely, after all the processing and coloring, I definitely need a deep conditioning treatment. But I think one of my favorite products right now is the the Fruitis like leave-in conditioner because even though the bottom of my hair is is on its last leg, it still feels nice and soft and it's like you said heat protectant is everything. Heat protectant will save your hair. If you even now, even if you're one of those people that strain your hair, curl your hair every day and you're worried about how damaged your hair is going to be, get a good heat protectant so it can prevent any further damage and just 
try your best to, if you're going to blow dry your hair, try to blow dry it cool. So that way if you come through with a straightener or the curling iron on hot, it doesn't retain as much heat damage from blow drying your hair with a hot air. That's true. Um, I think one of my favorite places to go in Mount Pleasant right now is Sally's Beauty Store because they have so many options for us, especially for hair care products. And if you can think of anything under the sun and it will actually be there. One of my favorite is I think it's like the Simply Olive like products. Like it's like olive oil based, super natural. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about any like weird parabens or anything in your hair. Because I think that was like a big thing in like the hair community like recently is they were literally leaving wax on hair. Pantene. Yeah, Pantene was leaving <laughs> wax on hair and you had your hair getting set fire if you went out for a blowout. So I don't know how Pantene's doing now. I know they're still selling. I don't know exactly if they changed the formula or not. But uh, just a PSA out there. Uh, make sure you figure out what's in your shampoo because those extra $2 could be like extra like four years of not split ends. So and That's what you hear a lot from beauty influencers and makeup gurus around the everyone like that is that they highly recommend buying uh, salon-quality shampoos and conditioners as opposed to running to your nearest drugstore. Um, You really want to avoid parabens and sulfates. Or I know it's really hard to find a shampoo that is rid of both, but you can salon-quality shampoo and conditioner really does make a huge difference if you're really concerned about your hair, the quality of your hair. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think a big thing, too, is when you're buying... Your shampoo and your conditioner, you need to buy for your specific hair. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I have straight, frizzy hair. I need an oil-based shampoo that won't make me too heavy. And I'm just going to say it. You cannot be washing your hair every day, kids. I don't care if that makes it sound gross, but you should not be washing your hair every day. It ruins your hair. And it causes premature balding. It does. It does. And it's terrible. But definitely... Get yourself a nice conditioner if you have been doing that and try your best. Like, hey, you can take a shower. That's fine. Get a shower cap. Nobody's going to judge you. <laughs> the same thing with buying, how we were talking about buying shampoo and conditioner that matches your hair type. Do the same thing with your facial care. If you have really oily skin, don't use um, cleansing products that are meant for people with dry skin because it's not going to do anything. It's not going to get rid of the excess oils that you have. And the vice versa goes, if you have... I made that huge mistake. Like I said earlier, I have really dry skin. So I would use charcoal-based cleansers that would strip all the oils out of my face and actually make me break out more as opposed to buying um, brands and products that are meant for dry skin, which help moisturize my skin so it's not a cracked, bleeding mess when winter comes around. No, that's definitely true. Like, I specifically need to use those products that balance the oils in my skin because your skin is literally so sensitive you need oils in your skin as much as you need oils in your hair because that's the nutrients and that's what's going to soften and actually like do what's needed i think one of the biggest things that i like cannot get over on instagram is like the blackhead removal videos oh yeah and they're just like so oddly satisfying but i still like adore every minute of them even though they kind of gross me out but, like, the biggest thing that I had to stop doing to get good skin and, like, smaller pores was stop picking at my skin. And it's so hard to stop <laughs> picking at your skin. It's so hard. Like, even, like, right now, like, I think I have, like, a zit on my, like, chin that I've been consciously not touching. And it's mm-hmm. been the hardest thing in my entire life. At least it feels like it's been the hardest thing in I've my entire life. I've noticed a huge difference in my skin when I stopped picking at my face. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, what people don't realize is your hands are always dirty. They are. Mm -hmm. Like, girls, stop touching your face when your hands are dirty. Just stop touching your face unless you're cleaning it. You're putting on a nice mask. And don't over-mask. I feel like that's a big thing now. Like, beauty gurus are always pushing these new masks out. But I feel like um, doing, like, masks, like, every other day is really going to fuck up your skin's chemistry. Like, you just can't really do that. So just make sure, like, when you are, like, doing those, like, treat yourself days, like, make sure they're, like, once a week, once or twice a week. Like, don't strip all the oils in your face. You need to let your skin be itself in order to bring it back. You need to keep the natural balance. Sure, the masks and the cleansers help, but you want... You really want to restore the net. Your skin can take care of itself. It just needs a little bit of hope. You don't want to overdo it because you're just going to make your skin depend on overdoing it. I think, yeah, the biggest thing, like the biggest takeoff from like my whole life, like trying to get the best skin, get the best hair, is you really do need personalized routines. Like people don't realize like, oh, well, this works for my friends. It should work for me. That is definitely not a no. You guys are besties. You guys share everything. You can't share skin routine. You can't share hair routine Mm-mm. because your bodies are different. doesn't matter. Like maybe once in a blue moon, you and your bestie have the same exact skin type, mm-hmm. which I highly doubt. And you guys can do masks together, just do different masks. <laughs> yeah, even if you both have dry skin, the same dry skin products might not work on you just because someone really raves about the CeraVe dry skin moisturizer. It might not work for you even though you have dry skin. You might have to try Cetaphil or some other polished choice, any other kind of moisturizer because at the end of the day, just because it works for some people, it's not going to work for all people. It's true. And I think that's the biggest thing in the beauty guru community now. They have so much influence. Like, people just go out and buy... They're pushing products. Yeah, whatever they want and whatever product's being pushed, which I knew was really disappointing for you because... um, We'll be talking how great Fenty's formula is, but you have dry skin. So Fenty, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, it would never work for me. I would for you. love to be able to use Fenty, but any kind of matte foundation, any kind of stick foundation just doesn't agree with my skin type. Yeah, and where it's completely different for me. I know if I use a dewy foundation or even a dewy setting spray, I look like a freaking oily mess. By melting. Like, like melting ice cream popsicle stick in the sun for like four hours. Terrible. In just like three minutes. So, and it just goes back to like, we do put so much trust in these beauty gurus, but you also have to know your own skin type, your own hair type before you go out and spend all that money. Like, that's crazy. Um, speaking of beauty gurus, I think it's time for tea time. So tea time is going to be when we talk about all the hot gossip and both the beauty gu- guru and both the boot. <laughs> in both the beauty guru and fashion communities. And I think the biggest blow-up in the beauty community right now has to be the basically the Fantastic Four against Jeffree Star whole mess with Gabby Zamora and the photo. So for those of you who don't know, Gabby Zamora posted a photo that had Manny Moi, him... Um, the Kitty Dragon and Laura Lee all flipping off the camera and it was like don't be bitter because we're doing better and it was kind of aimed at Jeffree Star and whereas Jeffree Star in himself is very controversial it looked like the whole beauty community kind of rallied and kind of dug up dirt on both Laura Lee and Gabby Zamora and there was some very racially inappropriate tweets for Laura Lee and Her brand kind of got backlash, but what I really want to talk about right now is 
and all the dust clearing, it looks like Manny MUA has really been targeted as like a puppet master in my effect, like in in my thought process of the whole system. So Gabby Zamora has already posted up his video talking about how Manny has kind of put on a facade, put on a show, and really been using all of these booty like and really have been using all of these people in this beauty community to just kind of gain his own followers and, you know, kind of push along his career and then he kind of just like disposes of them when they're not really working for him anymore. And I feel like with that, that's not as unfair of a thought, but I think there's a lot of people to blame in this whole situation. Oh, yeah. They're, like, not all of them are innocent. Even even from the initial posting of the photo, there's always going to be a side to the story that we're never going to see. There's always going to be something that happened behind the camera, behind the scenes, that they're not going to expose to the general public because whether it's intentional, whether it's unintentional, we're just never going to know. But what we can know, we can dissect, and we can try to take a look at and try to understand the thought process behind everything and why everyone's throwing each other under the bus because they are throwing each other under the bus. That's the funniest thing to me is like these four people are supposed to be best friends. These four people are supposed to be there for you. And as soon as like it all hit the fan, everybody was off the lifeboat and into the water. Um, I think we saw our biggest, I think one of the biggest swings to beauty influencer Laura Lee. Oh, yeah. I think it was... It was only like a couple seconds before her total, like her makeup line and her things were pulled. Her from career Morphe, plummeted, and it was it was fall. It was very, very big fall for Miss Laura Lee, and I think it was more because with all of this drama that was unfolded, she got exposed for those racial tweets, mm-hmm. and I think that just goes to show you guys the internet is forever. And whether, you know, it's all personal opinion, whether you think it was bad or if you think it wasn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people are still supporting you if half the people who were funding your paycheck have unsubscribed. And I want to take a second to talk about those tweets because I know right now, for the most part, the community is leaning towards the fact that the tweets that she posted, even though they were five years ago, were inappropriate and she deserved the fall from grace. But there are the few people out there that are like, well... These tweets were five years ago. Can we still hold her accountable to the same standard? And that debate is something I really want to like kind of get into about is should she be criminalized for these tweets that she made five years ago? Like what is what's your opinion on that, Gigi? I think with me, it's really hard to say because it was the same thing with Jeffree Star. And I do feel a little hypocritical because I do lean towards Jeffree Star, um, even though he is as controversial now as Laura Lee. But it was it was a very different age gap. Whereas Jeffrey Star was held and he was held accountable. He did say he was sorry. And he was held accountable for things in MySpace days, which was, I don't know, probably a ten year gap from where oh, he yeah, was then. About, I'd say about ten years, maybe a little and, bit more, a little bit less. Yeah, and then it was it was still demonized and he was demonized and he was thrown under the bus and his friends left him. And with Laura Lee, it is a five year gap, but I believe Laura Lee is twenty seven. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. sure about her age, but it's around but, there, late, yeah, mid so to late she 20s. Was, she was very early 20s when these tweets were out. I don't know about you guys. We're all in our early 20s. I feel like we all know what seems racist. I, it's We all have our different bias. We all understand community standards differently, and we all understand culture differently. But we all know what's inappropriate. We do. 
And it is hard for me to forgive her situation because I feel like her apology was kind of fake. kind of watered down. Yeah, <laughs> a little fake. It was a little fake her to me. Her apology video was hard to watch. Yeah, it was a lot of forced crying. No tears, but forced crying. You guys can watch it if it's still on YouTube. She was sorry for disappointing her fans, but she she blamed her tweets on her she did environment. not do an apology right. No, that, and that is, I think is the biggest difference between when Jeffrey was exposed and when Larlar Lee was exposed. That he his apology at least seemed sincere. It was a mm-hmm. genuine apology. It wasn't a oh I said these things because this is my mindset. Where that's exactly what Larlar Lee's was. Yeah, and I think it's funny in like retrospect to it because I feel like when that happens to one person in the community. Even I'm not saying like oh go back delete your accounts whatever, but you should think about like did things, I post did things I like do that? something like that? Was I ever in that mindset? And coming from I don't want to give a bad rap to the South, but we all know that that's what she was doing. She said that mm-hmm. she was that's a what victim. she blames it on. Yeah, she was a victim of her environment that she's grown now. But at the end of the day, there are people in the South that know better. Oh, definitely. And I don't think it's a South problem. I think it's a personal problem. Mm-hmm. And talking about it is it's pretty tension thinking. Like you you can't hold everybody to the same standards. Yeah, because it's not even um, a discussion on makeup and beauty anymore. It's a discussion on um, social issues, social justice issues in our actual world instead of just talking about, oh, well, I didn't really like her makeup because it was kind of crumbly or something like that. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, I know I read a response on the YouTube video, and it was basically saying, like, why are you guys, like, why are you guys demonizing her? It's like, if you don't want to use her product, don't use her product. It's like, that's all. That's it. That's all that matters. But I feel like it's more than that. Like, okay, we won't hold her accountable to what she says. We won't hold her accountable for her tweets or her messages. And we'll still use her product because we like her product. Now, yes, you're losing that money from the people who are offended by it, but you have to realize that she doesn't run her own company. Like, no. it's not all her. So her affiliates have to make the very hard decision, do we drop her because we don't agree with her viewpoint, or do we keep her because her makeup is selling well? Mm-hmm. And I feel like your affiliates who have given you so much money and given you so much like space to shine should never be in that situation. You should never never have to. You should, when you're basically selling yourself as a brand, you have to know from the get-go, everything you do is going to be in the public eye and everything you do will be criminalized and demonized. And do you know, did she post a video after she posted the apology video? Um, Actually, her first video after the controversy was a tutorial. And that's what put a lot of bad taste in people's mouth. Because I was going to say, she hasn't posted anything on her Instagram since, I think, early August there's been nothing she's been radio silent on Instagram yeah and I think it's because she's scared which I understand I mean everything she will do from this point on is going to be under a magnifying glass but that's the thing I think Jeffree Star it's been so controversial so it's like people are like kind of used to it a little Mm -hmm. desensitized to it whereas when you make your persona this all-american Sweetheart. sweetheart, like I'm everybody's best friend, and then they realize that their best friend's a snake. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's gonna definitely and turn she some heads. Definitely was, especially I don't know too much about Gabriella Zamora, mm-hmm. but I do know that 
Nikita Dragon had a little bit of a reputation for being a snake, whether or not those claims are true or not. I know there's some controversy where she stole a different Instagram influencer's boyfriend, mm-hmm. but again, I think that was eventually revealed to be a publicity stunt. Like it was all a ruse. It was mm-hmm. everyone was fine, but for a while she did have that reputation like everyone was leaving the snake emoji on her posts and everything and i think that goes to show like how heavy our social media is actually affecting what media and what products we consume like it's kind of crazy to me Mm -hmm. because i i love jeffree star's products i think he does such good formula and stuff like that but at the end of the day if another scandal like this were to happen or we would figure out something that's like really like disappointing and depressing to me i don't think i could like bring myself Mm -hmm. to spend money on that i know that's something you were talking about with kat von d oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i love her products i love them they're great they really are i love her eyeliner formula her lipsticks are great i just i especially in recent times i have not been able to support her products not trying to push any political agendas or anything but some of the things that she has recently announced on hers had just turned me off from her and in this day and age it really is hard to separate the personality from the product especially in the makeup industry when they're so closely tied together that's Mm -hmm. them as a person represents their entire brand they're not just the ceo they're not just the their makeup line is them Mm-hmm. And I just can't, I can't support that from yeah. her anymore. Well, that was the big thing too with um, Estee Lauder and Too Faced when Estee Lauder took over Too Faced. Mm-hmm. And Too Faced had been, I think it's Jared, I can't remember his name. It's Jared something yeah, like that. Yeah, Jared something. And that was his brand for a long time. That was his baby. And it's like they basically bought it out from under him and they had to tell him, like, you can't be leaving these comments on people's according to Jeffree Star, you can't be leaving hateful comments at Jeffree Star. You can't be basically being immature. He was pretty nasty, if I remember. Yeah, nasty to people because we own your brand and we don't want your brand to be be tarnished tarnished and to not be able to be purchased. Because Too Faced is a good brand. But again, Too Faced has done a pretty good job of separating Mm -hmm. Jared, Jarrett, whatever his name is, from the brand. Even though he was the owner, even though he was the founder, it took me a couple years in the makeup industry to realize, like, oh, crap, he's the owner of Too Faced. Yeah, the fact that we can't even remember his last name right now just yeah. shows that. Or even com- get his first name right. Yeah, it com- like compartmentalizing your brand is very important nowadays, especially with everybody's different set of minds and mm-hmm. change in thoughts. So at the end of the day, like, when we're talking about this whole blow up, I think the biggest problem with the Fab Four, however they were talking about themselves, is they linked themselves so close together and they made it that they were a unit and that they would be friends and they were successful. That that eventually just destroyed collapsing on each other. Yeah, because basically when one of them did something inappropriate, Mm -hmm. then everybody was like, well, if one of them has that mindset, they They all all must have that mindset. And I know that's another thing that other beauty influencers, those who aren't as famous as Jeffree Star or Kat Von D, have said that the makeup industry is very catty. It's very mm-hmm. brutal to be an influencer or a makeup artist in because there's clicks. Mm-hmm. But it's makeup clicks. It's not like going into high school and like, oh, which lunch table am I going to sit at? It's like, okay, like, how am I going to break into this industry when they won't even let me in? Yeah. And there's a lot of people who would be great. They would be great beauty influencers, but they just can't get in. They can't break through that barrier. But now that they 
kind of fell apart now that they've been outed like this way, I think it is going to open up the gates for more people to rise up to that fame level. But at the same time, people are not going to see that, hey, if we push people up on this huge pedestal, they're just going to come crashing down. It's true. Because these are normal people. These were YouTubers. They never thought that they were going to get like thrusted into the spotlight. But I honestly totally like agree with you with that. Like we have to stop like idolizing these people. Yeah, they don't know what's best. Like they don't uh, know like what's we best. Said earlier in the show, the person that knows what's best for your hair, your makeup. Yeah, it's good to learn from them. But you always are supposed to outlearn your teacher. You are, You're and that's what they are. They're tools to show you, to introduce you to a specific way of doing something. I follow this one girl on Instagram. I hate how she does her eyebrows. I hate how she does her her eyeshadow. But her lip tutorials are great. So I don't follow her eye tutorials. I just scroll through and find her lip tutorials because she does a really great job of those, even though I hate the rest of her makeup. And that's what it is. You're piecing together what you want your look to look like. And you're basically making your own brand to yourself when you're doing your clothes and you're doing your hair. And at the end of the day, we can go buy the Armani Beauty setting spray if anybody's got the money for that. But it's not going to make us look like Jeffree Star or make us look like his eyeshadow. It's going to look so much better. It's going to be our technique and our practice for it. And that's what I really respect about these younger YouTubers and these basically fresh faces in the beauty community because even though it's like oh I don't remember her handle and I don't remember this or that I can honestly respect talent and I feel like Mm -hmm. this kind of purge of the beauty community was necessary to get that new fresh face and most of what I found honestly I'm still following some of the people from the fab floor Mm -hmm. Just because if their accounts go private, I'm following them for the T100%. Mm-hmm. I'm following them for the drama <laughs> because I think at one point, Larla Lee set her account to private and I was like, oh, I'm not unfollowing this just to get locked out. Like, I'm going to yeah. see through this drama. I want access to this. Mm-hmm. But aside from following people for drama, the majority of the beauty influencers that I follow are very much independent. They're not mm-hmm. linked to anyone. I think there's a couple of s- smaller names that made it big that have partnerships with L'Oreal, have partnerships, but they're, it's not the high-end, classy makeup that everyone wants. Like, whenever Jeffree Star releases a new lipstick, everyone's all like, ooh, I need, must get it. It's not to that level. It's a step down. And those are the people that truly do care about their craft. They're the people that really want to show their fans, like, look, this is what I have. Not saying that they don't care, but I think it is really easy to get caught up in the limelight when you do get thrusted into there. Yeah, I feel like that's what it was. And I think, um, like you said, I think one of the largest couple of people that I was actually following is I was following Jeffree Star. And I was following Manny MUA. And those were the two very big gurus that I was actually following. And I don't think I've ever even bought any of Manny's products. I just was never interested in it. I didn't even know he had products until a little while ago. I just thought he was a makeup artist. Yeah, exactly. And I think Larlar Lee's, her products are fairly recent. Yeah, like, I think I would say within Patootie the year. was, like... Yeah, she has, like, Nudie Patootie, Cat's Pajamas. I think those were all, really I would say, about a year old. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But she recently released her makeup yeah. stuff. She Before that, she was just a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's, like, the biggest thing, too. I think with the fame that comes with being a YouTuber and having subscribers and stuff like that, it really does make you forget, like, why you started. Like, oh, yeah. you get the backdrops, you get the lights, and then you forget that you were sitting in front of your, like, webcam. Using with, your like, iPhone a, to record oh, videos. Like, like, a wet and wild, like, eyeliner. And it's. <laughs> I feel like you still need to be a little humble just to, like, be oh, able yeah. to 
That's why I kind of am sad that Manny MUA is getting such a bad rap because I did like a lot of his videos um, when he did the drugstore brands and stuff like that. And I felt like that was very, very like thoughtful to his mm-hmm. demographic and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot more of the larger beauty gurus need to start doing drugstore brand tutorials, not just as challenges, but as yeah. actual constant things. Because a lot of times they get the drugstore tutorials get blasted as a um look, I somehow managed to make this look out of these drugstore products. Like look at this crazy makeup look I did with these drugstore products as opposed to like, hey, this is probably what's in your bag. This is probably what you have. This is what you can afford. Here's how to make a good makeup look that looks nice. It isn't like a ooh, drugstore makeup craze, let's go. It's just this is what my fan base has. It's not I would love I would honestly love to be able to buy a Huda Beauty foundation every time I ran out of new foundation or to keep updated on all the naked palettes. But I can't afford that. I'm a college student. I can't do it. I have my Wet n Wild foundation. I have my um, Maybelline mascara. That's it's what's in my price range. It's what I can afford. Sure, every now and then I can afford to splurge on a nicer palette or I can afford to splurge and get these high-end quality products, but for the most part, I'm just working with what's in my bag. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing, too. It's like, what's in my makeup bag? I have, like, a giant makeup bag of random makeup that I somehow have gathered over the years. years. Because we all know we're college students. We throw nothing away. I throw nothing away. Yeah, when they tell you, hey, you have to throw your mascara away every six months, my mascara is about two years old, and it's still killing it. It's still going. I don't care how bad it is for my eyes. (laughs) I can't afford to buy a new one right now, so I'm not going to. I'm going to yeah. use this until it dies. Yeah. And that's Honest. where people start. Mm-hmm. That's where people start. And a lot of people don't evolve too far past that. Sure, when I get into my career a little bit more, if I make a little bit more money, yeah, then I'll keep up on keeping my makeup nice, nice and, and fresh. Healthy and healthy. fresh. Try to yeah. get the germs out of my mm-hmm. mascara wand. But until then, I have to clean it. Yeah, I have to pet work in. I can't afford to replace something every time I'm like, ooh, this is a little bad. Gotta get like, rid of it. That's the thing. Like, I didn't know beauty blenders had a timeline. I didn't know it was like max three months. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I'm dumb. But it is for all you guys out there that didn't know. And what you can do to help clean out your beauty blender, wash it out with like a gentle hand soap, get it soaking wet, have it like floating in a little like microwavable safe container, and then microwave it. Don't do it for too long because it's kind of, if it starts getting smoky or if it starts getting a little... um. It can break open, but if you put it in there for like 15 seconds, it does zap a lot of the germs out of there if you tr- if you trust it. Obviously, if you don't trust it, but look more into it because that's a nice way to extend the lifeline of your beauty blender without having to keep buying a new one every yeah, I heard months. coconut oil, too, works really well yeah, when coconut you're cleaning oil it out. Yeah, coconut oil works really well. So it's just a little tip of the day for you guys because we all know we can't afford a beauty blender every three months. Mm. So that's all we had planned for today. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm Gigi Padilla, and you guys have been listening to Pucker Up. All right, and I'm Sarah Bebuck, and don't forget to tune in next week for CM Life's Pucker Up.